Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in episode 26 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I am joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always the legend, Aaron Riley. Aaron, I got one thing for you. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All right. Let's go, Aaron. We're in the wind column. How are we feeling? Appreciate that, man. Appreciate the support. Much, much needed in, in this slow start of a season. Um, yeah, got it done. Uh, 25-20 really wasn't that close. I mean, uh, Jim Schwartz being the uh, being the guy, the type of guy he is, he kind of left him in the back in the game with you know that last drive. But um, yeah, got it done. You know, obviously going up against the the backup in Nate Mullins, uh, kid that I don't think is is really an awful quarterback. Kind of had a really bad night though. Um, with that being said, um, you know. Clean things up defensively, that's for sure. I think the defense definitely showed up. Uh, Wentz did what he could with what he had out there, I thought. I mean, I, I give him probably like a, a B, a solid B on the night. I wouldn't say he had an, an, a, an a type of night, but a solid B, maybe B, B minus uh, overall. I think, uh, you know, they, they just did what they had to do to win. I, I continue to, to be amazed by when this team has their back against the wall. It just seems like that's when they – they come out firing and, and come out on all cylinders. And once again, I mean, it, it's just amazing that, um, you know, we can't draft players very well, but if you pick them off the practice squad and throw them out there, somehow they're more effective. So, um, yeah, got the win. Uh, it was a nice, nice win. Uh, a very, a very good feeling Monday morning, waking up with a win in the a win. And, uh, yeah, a lot of things to, uh, to correct going forward, but, uh, you got a, you got out of there with a win in, in a game that many people didn't think they had a chance. I think the uh, the Sunday night crew on on what ABC on NBC there, yeah, uh, none, none of them picked the Eagles. So none of them. So that's uh, always nice to see, you know, a little upset of any kind. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, we're not even going to get into today's topics. We're already into today's topics. We'll touch on the Eagles here, and obviously we'll get to the Jets debacle from last Thursday uh, uh, shortly. But, you know, this is the first Eagles game of the season I actually watched from uh, basically start to finish. Uh, I, th- I thought I thought Wentz played really well considering uh, just his supporting cast. I thought Ertz, you know, basically gets doubled on every play. So he's forced to go to guys like Greg Ward, who I thought had a good game. Uh, Richard Rodgers, who, who replaced uh, the injured Dallas Goddard, I thought had a good game. Who, who's number 13, the guy that caught that touchdown pass? Uh, Fulgrim. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought he had a good game. I think he would just he was just signed from the practice squad, which is insane. So I I think you know and and maybe I relate to Wentz a little bit just because the Jets are you know have been bitten by the injury bug as well. But you know I think it, for for as much flack as as he's caught, um, and I guess as good as that 49ers defense is, I know they have a lot of people who are hurt, uh, but it's mainly on the D line. So. I feel like their secondary is pretty intact, and, and, and Wentz did a really good job, I thought, just managing the game. It's not like he, you know, went out there and, and looked like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers and, um, you know, flashed around and threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns. But I think he managed the game well. He, you know, played to his strengths. You know, he, he got out and ran when he had to. He was shifting the pocket. Uh, you know, Lane Johnson, I think, got hurt almost immediately in that game. They were playing a backup. 
uh, left tackle as well, uh, some backup guards, I believe. So basically every position on the offense uh, is affected. Uh, I thought Sanders, you know, was a beast, continues to be a beast. I, you know, he was a guy I wasn't too high on going into the season, but, um, you know, they traded away Jordan Howard in the offseason, and obviously it's been paying off since Sanders is, is kind of a tank and might be the best running back to come out of Penn State in the last two or three years, which is a hot take, but might be oh. the case. Um, but, yeah, no, I thought uh, uh, kind of, you know, fortunate for the Eagles they're going against a backup quarterback, and, you know, we can get to Jimmy G and, and sort of what he means to that team. Uh, I thought Mullins, you know, he – typically has been able to put up good numbers just because Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius. But last night the Eagles or two nights ago, I should say the Eagles exposed his flaws and, and he basically reverted back to just being a basic game manager. So um, that pretty much, you know, you know, disposes of the cries or, or outcries for Jimmy G to be benched. I think whenever he comes back, uh, the team's going to welcome him with open arms. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I'm I'm very happy for you. I'm very happy for this podcast that we can finally talk about a W. We can finally talk about one of our teams being in first place, even if they are one, two, and one. Uh, they're in the NFC least. Uh, but yeah, no, I, like I said, I feel good for you. I feel good for Wentz that you know the sort of Jalen Hurts cries have been silenced again for another week. Feel good for Dougie P. You know he had some questionable decisions in this game to say the least. But uh, feel good for Philly in general. Uh, I'm glad you. I'm glad you can at least uh, see that. That's for sure. That that's something that you know has been going back to really last season. I, I'd say Dougie P. Uh, you know, and, and this being the first game you you got to watch, you know, firsthand. Uh, probably his his best coach game and his most. Um, I'm not going to say most aggressive because they've they've been aggressive at times throughout this this early season, but um, in the fact that you kind of felt the energy right off the bat that they wanted this game. They know they needed this game. Uh, I wish they would have came out with that same energy through the first three weeks, but you know, here we are, we got to win. I'll, I'll take the positives over the negatives. Uh, a couple of storylines I did, you know, follow kind of closely at, at one point, I think this was like midway through the second or, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe in the third, they went away from, uh, they went away from Miles Sanders like a good bit. Um, they were just kind of pass happy for, I want to say like, 10, 12 minutes of, of consistent offense where I was starting to revert back to, you know, what the hell is Dougie P doing again? This is way too predictable. This is way too um, just much of a basic offense. Um, the first quarter I thought was very well coached. And then he kind of got away from what was going, going well. Um, another thing that has come out in the media, especially in the, the Philadelphia uh, region, at least is Miles Sanders. He was out. Uh, game one, he hasn't been in game shape all season, so they're, you know, limiting his his running, limiting his uh, his attempts. So that might play into the fact that you know they get pass happy uh, quite often. I mean, you can't you can't really count on Corey Clement or or Boston Scott to do much of anything so far. Um, they're kind of just you know screen pass type players. Um, you know, we don't really have the offensive line to to run the ball between the tackles with anybody but Miles Sanders at this point. So I, I get that to a certain extent, but um, you know, if I'm Doug Peterson, I'm at least mixing in a run here and there. I, I do like what he did with Wentz uh, a couple of times, taking those QB sneaks right, you know, right through the gut and then kind of rolling him out and, and allowing him to, to get out of the pocket and pick up, you know, four or five, six yards here and there. Um, always kind of a nerve wracking uh, yeah, you know it's always nerve wracking when that transpires, but so far so good. I got to knock on some wood for for that one, but um, yeah, I mean, not to to beat a dead horse, but I just think at times their offense gets in this mode where we they have to pass the ball like 18 straight times or 10 straight times, for example. It just that scares me, and that's that's not a problem that's been addressed yet. So uh, could have been a better coach game. I one thing I will say before we move on is. I absolutely hate when these defensive coordinators play like a prevent defense because oh, yeah. if you saw uh, if you saw uh, CJ uh, Beathard come into the game after uh, after the pick, what's that? CJ beat hard. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, you know after the the Mullins horrible interception, uh, they yeah they went to CJ. Uh, he came in and just kind of had his own way with with the defense. I mean at that point you're you're still you're in that game at 0-2 and one. I, in my opinion, you got to keep the foot on the gas. You can't let them breathe. In. You know, you can't have 
them getting any more mo uh, momentum going forward. And he drove them the whole way down the field in not not long of a time in that drive whatsoever. So that that was something that you know pissed me off greatly, and, and that's something that um, Jim Schwartz is famous for. Is just like you know if we're up ten points or so, he thinks the game's over. I think I think he mentally yeah. checks out at times. You ready to go home? I I don't know, man. It's just like you you like the great Herm Edwards said, you know, you play to win the game. You don't, you don't play to survive the game. That, that was one of those things where then uh, the 49ers got the ball back and, and they heaved a, a Hail Mary at the end. And yeah. God, forbid, you know, if one of those 49ers like, like Kittle uh, was killing us all night long, every single drive, it seemed Kittle. like he had 50 yards, at least every single drive it felt like. So um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, if I'm Dougie P, if I'm Howie Roseman, if I'm, you know, Jeffrey Laurie, I'm going into Jim Schwartz's offense. I'm saying, you know, first things first, uh, you know, you coach a good good game until about five minutes left in the game and then what the hell happened. So I think that conversation has to be has to be talked about. And, and it's just no excuse for for letting off the gas when this could have been a 10 point game um, till the end, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad for you. I'm, I'm glad, like I said, for. City of Philly, glad that, uh, you know, we sort of have a, a winner here in the NFC East. Uh, I, I got to mention Kittle for a second. You just mentioned him. I think he had uh, 15 catches for over 150 yards, which is absolutely insane. Uh, he's a one-man wrecking crew, and, uh, you know, he's a guy that is, I think, changing sort of the, um, you know, tight end position in, in the league because if, if he gets the ball and, and it, he's just so hard to tackle, you saw it last year in that, uh, New Orleans Saints games. As soon as he gets his hand on you, you're either getting thrown to the ground or you're getting, you're getting called for a face mask penalty. So, uh, and you, you kind of saw that. Not that the Eagles, you know, got a lot of face masks penalties called on them, but he was just sort of terrorizing them the entire night, and um, they really didn't have an answer. But at the end of the day, if you're gonna, if if he's the only guy producing, uh, you know, I don't think he's ultimately like a reason that the, the 49ers would would win that game or the Eagles would lose that game. So. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it was more – it more had to do with Nick Mullins being in there instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, Mullins did have a crazy stat where I think he's up there in terms of most passing yards to your first nine games. I want to say he's he's like right there with Patrick Mahomes, Andrew Luck, sort of right up there with with guys who are who are who were who are or were projected to be uh, you know Hall of Famer. So I think the stats there on, on his first few starts are definitely a little deceiving. I think it's more of a product of um, Kyle Shanahan's offense and, and just playing his strengths, as I said before. Um, so as soon as Jimmy G is healthy, whether it be next week, the week after, whenever he, he comes back, I think uh, the 49ers will, will start to hit the ground running. But I got to be honest, even even if he even if he did play the game um, on Sunday, I, I'd have to think it would have been close anyway. I, I have to think the Eagles would have a good shot of squeaking one out because Jimmy G is good, obviously, but he's you know he's not out there you know, putting up numbers for a top 10, you know, much less a top 15 quarterback. Um, so I think it's, that's definitely a win you can hang your hat on. Obviously a team that went to the Super Bowl last year, uh, a team probably at the beginning of the season, when you look at them come up on your schedule, you probably circle that as a loss and just keep it moving on to the next week. Um, and we'll get to the next week's matchup. They obviously play Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh with some fans. I think uh, Governor Wolf here in PA said that they are opening up the stadium to seven to 10,000 fans, I believe. Um, that was the number. So that's pretty exciting as well. Sort of a battle of the Keystone State with some fans in there. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it gives them momentum. I, you know, the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers obviously coming off a little bit of a, a coronavirus bye. Uh, they were supposed to play the Titans last week until that organization came down with, with COVID cases. Um, so they're probably actually prepared for this game, which kind of definitely doesn't um, lean towards Philly's favor. Um, but nonetheless, coming off a win can do wonders for that locker room going into that game for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely looking forward to that matchup. I think uh, on paper that that's just they match up pretty well. Uh, Pittsburgh has a pretty good defense. Uh, Philly's defenses look, you know, pretty good overall at times. Uh, definitely the, the defensive line. So I'll be curious to see how how those teams match up overall. And and once again, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a must win, but um, you know, Dallas kind of has an easy schedule coming up. Uh, you know, Washington and and the Giants. Um, for what it's worth. But um, yeah, I definitely think as an Eagles fan, I, I'm really, really wanting them to win that game because then the following week it's, it's Baltimore and, you know, that's going to be a hard game to, to even keep up with in my opinion.
Yeah, no, I think uh, you're absolutely right. Um, nonetheless, I just think where the where the rest of the NFC East shakes out, um, I think they're t- or they they have a sort of a half game in hand over the Washington football team just because of that tie with the Bengals last week. And um, you know, Washington football team, I think they're starting to regress a little bit. They don't, you know, obviously come off that week win again, week one win against Philly. Um, that might have just been lightning in a bottle. I think that team absolutely stinks, um, which is a shame because I love Ron Rivera. I love the staff he has around him. I just don't think Haskins is a good quarterback. But um, if Dallas can continue to absolutely not um, put forth a defense on the field and the Giants can continue to be a dumpster fire, then I think the Eagles have a legitimate shot at winning the NFC East probably at like a 7-9, and nine, maybe 6-10. and 10, But they don't ask how. They just, uh, they just you know, care that you're there. Yeah, exactly right. And, and to touch on the, the Ron Rivera, I, I definitely feel for the guy. I mean, he's gone through cancer. So, I mean, how could you not? Um, definitely a coach that I have great respect for. I think he's a seems to be a great person as well. So, you know, definitely not rooting for the Redskins in any way. But, um, you know, I definitely want wish the best for him. And, and I wish the worst for Dwayne Haskins just because he went to Ohio State. But <laughs> that, that being said, you know, I, I think uh, – you know, you're exactly right in, in the fact that they're regressing. Um, you know, they they did put up 17 against Baltimore, but it just wasn't really a close game at any point. So, um, you know, not much not much life uh, from the Redskins. I think the Giants actually kind of shocked some people with uh, keeping the Rams pretty close throughout that ball game. So, I mean, maybe maybe the Giants squeak out a win against Dallas because just Dallas is atrocious on defense um that's really anybody's ball game in my opinion on paper obviously Dallas looks a, a hell of a lot better but it's uh that's why they play the game at the end of the day that's why you play the game folks um speaking of a team who probably shouldn't play the games we get to the Jets now yeah go I say go all in on that one all right um I don't know about all in obviously this game happened Thursday night so folks you know I've probably stored this away in the memory bank at this point it's sort of out one ear in one ear out the other year at this point I won't go too in depth from the Jets I will say that they have legitimately played the same exact game four weeks in a row uh <laughs> losing to you know probably probably the most disheartening loss of all four of them considering the Broncos are playing their third string quarterback um and they had yet to have a win leading into this game as well um like the Eagles, you know, the Jets have a lot of injuries. Le'Veon Bell is out. Their rookie wide receiver, Denzel Mims, was out. Their number one receiver, Prashad Perriman, was out. Um, they're still, you know, for some reason, riding Frank Gore into the sunset, and he's 37 years old, getting like 20 carries a game, which makes no sense. The offensive line can't really block anybody in the defense. You know, it's probably worse than the Cowboys' defense at this point. So I do not expect the Jets to get a win. I won't spend too much, you know, time on this. Darnold did get hurt in the game. He – um, was basically trying to escape the pocket, got wrapped up by by a uh, Denver Broncos defender, basically got thrown to the ground, landed on his uh, throwing shoulder. He went out of the game. Um, we got a glimpse of Joe Flacco, which is exciting. I'll get to Joe Flacco in a second. Um, but he, I think he was out for maybe a series or maybe even it was like two or three downs or something like that. Came back from the locker room and warmed up and went back in the game. So you have to admire Darnold's toughness. I, You know, maybe it was uh, – you know, more of him being desperate and, and sort of wanting to play for his job, play for the fans, play for himself, maybe just sort of showcase to the franchise that uh, he has what it takes to, you know, remain in the game, be tough and, and stay in there and, and kind of prove to people that he is a guy. That being said, he didn't really have, you know, a game that inspired me a whole lot. He did have a 45-yard, 50-yard uh, touchdown run, which was kind of weird. He, he ended up getting – um, some good downfield blocking, but ultimately did escape the pocket and, and uh, have a good run there and displayed some athleticism. So we play the Cardinals next week. Um, they're coming off a loss from the the Panthers. I don't expect to even come close to winning that game. And after that, I think we have the Chiefs. So um, we might have to take a, a hiatus on the Jets here and talk about some other teams because it's becoming the same narrative every single week. And it's only going to be week five. I'm already sick of it. Um, so that's that's sort of the Jets this week. Another disheartening loss. Gase, um, I have no idea why they haven't fired him yet. They should probably take a page out of the Texans book and fire their head coach. <laughs> we can all get on with our lives here and hopefully um, have some light at the end of the tunnel in the uh, Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. But uh, that is your weekly Jets misery index for you. 
Yeah, let me, let me ask you one question. Do you think if Le'Veon Bell played in that game, do you think he would have made enough difference to at least, uh, you know, get a, get a W against the, the Broncos? No, because Gase, like, refuses to use him the right way. He refuses to, like, get him out in space, call plays for him, refuses to put him in the slot. He probably would have ran, you know, Bell 12 times, probably would have ran Gore, like, 15 times, and they would have split, which makes absolutely no sense. Um, I think I think he would have helped maybe, you know, convert some, some short third downs, maybe, you know, turn some second and eights into, like, a second and four, third and four type of – Type of deal. I think he definitely would have probably preserved a couple of drives, but I don't think he, you know, ultimately would have won the game for them. I, you know, I think their problems right now are mainly, you know, not even mentioning the offense side of the football, you know, giving up 30 plus points to a third string quarterback in the Denver Broncos is absolutely embarrassing. And no one's talking about it because it was on Thursday night and, and no one watches Thursday night football anyway. Uh, you know, so to me, if, if, uh, you know, you're going to fire Gase and, and put in Greg Williams, you know, you're probably right back to square one, but at the end of the day, I don't really care who's coaching the football team because none of the staff currently who's coaching the team now will be there next year. So it really doesn't matter to me. Yeah, no, it's, and I, and I feel for you, man. Like I, I went through it the first three, three weeks. I mean, Basically, I mean, I, I, 0 2 and 1 felt like 0 and 3 to me. Um, so I, I definitely at least feel your pain from the perspective of it. It's just rough, man. Like, I, I don't know as far as, you know, what they're thinking uh, from a, a draft perspective. You know, you don't really have many people to throw to uh, if you're Sam Darnold. I mean, Jamison Crowder had a pretty good game. Um, but overall, I, I don't know. Did, uh, were you impressed with? Flacco's little stint in the game or, or was that just kind of you know whatever type of situation uh I don't I don't I can't remember if he attempted a pass or not maybe he didn't it was incomplete he, he ran the ball a couple of times he honestly was only in there for I think it was four or five plays now they are saying that there's a chance Donald won't play this week and it, it's probably smart he has a I think a grade one AC joint sprain in his shoulder um so to me if he lands again on that shoulder or you know, hurts it throwing, whatever, he can hurt it a lot worse um, and, and miss more time after that. So I think they should probably be cautious, hold him out of this game, let Flacco, you know, take a couple hits in the chin, get out of there, you know, with hopefully not that embarrassing of a loss and move on. Um, I, I think I think Flacco knows the offense. You know, you kind of know what you're getting in Joe Flacco. He's going to be a game manager. He's not going to embarrass you, but he's not going to, you know, put up all-star all-star type numbers uh, at this point in his career. And just with the guys they have, you know, fielding, you know, catches and, and, and running the ball, I don't think uh, they're really going to help him out that much. I will, I will say we do have a couple people coming off IR. I think Bell might play this week. Uh, and same with our rookie wide receiver, Denzel Mims. He might play again, make his season debut or make his career debut actually. Um, so that's kind of exciting. You know, hopefully those guys can play well and, and give me a sliver of sliver of hope leading into the rest of the season. But I, I you know, I, I think Joe Flacco kind of, he is what it is. I don't think he can be any worse than Darnold. I, you know, I probably don't think he's going to be much better since Darnold is uh, a more, more of a mobile quarterback and can escape the pocket when the offensive line inevitably collapses. Um, so we might see a few more sacks from, from Flacco, but uh, we might also see him hit, hit a few more guys and probably manage the game a bit better than, than Sam will. Yeah. So yeah, the, the last thing to touch on it, uh, he is two for two on the season, so 100% completion percentage. So for what it's worth, for what it's worth, maybe he is a, a game changer. But no, all, all jokes aside, um, yeah, I mean, uh, if I'm Sam Darnold, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm really going to throw myself in there with an injury that I could possibly make worse on an 0-4 football team. You know, I, I'm, I might be a little bit selfish and, and take the high road and just kind of rehab this injury the right way and not force myself in when the team's not winning anyway. So. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I, I think at this point we're just uh, paying attention to college football. I saw Clemson had a great win against, I think it was Virginia over the weekend, scored a ton of points. Trevor Lawrence looked great. Justin Fields in the Big Ten starts at the end of October. Uh, so I think, it, you know, if those two guys are there and the Jets are there at one or two, you probably have to take one of them. Uh, and, and Darnold just needs a fresh start because he honestly looks traumatized um, playing quarterback. And I feel bad for him. It's not his fault. He has all the talent in the world. It's just he really has nobody 
helping him out coaching wise and also, you know, on the field catching passes. So uh, that's, uh, that's where I am as a Jets fan right now. Yeah, we can, uh, we can shift gears. Um, I mean, to me, I, I think you're talking about the Dallas game, you know, definitely uh, it was, it was interesting. I'll say that for, from a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different angles in that game. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, what, what was the final score in that game real quick? Uh, you got 47, 47 points for the Cleveland Browns and then 38 for Dallas. Yeah, I, th- I think, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a crazy thing whenever Odell Beckham Jr. plays at, at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. He, for some reason, goes off. I, you know, he was colored after the game saying it was just something about that stadium. He had two rushing touchdowns, um, one to ice the game from, like, 50 yards, which was insane. And then I th- he also had a, a receiving touchdown as well when he was wide open and Baker was able to hit him. I, I, you know, I, I think, and, and Aaron and I were talking before the show, if you're giving up 50 points to – the Cleveland Browns, your football team is probably not going to be that, that successful. So um, Mike McCarthy coming in really didn't sh- do much and change the culture of the team. But you're, you're seeing a lot of the same mistakes. And, you know, him inheriting this defense probably isn't his fault. Or it definitely isn't his fault. But I guess the way they're playing probably isn't his fault since he's more of an offensive mind and kind of kind of begs the question of would this team be better off with Jason Garrett? You know, you could argue yes, you could argue no, and that his voice is probably getting a little bit stale in the locker room. And we'll get to the Browns in a second because I really don't think this game means much for them. Yes, it's a great win and, you know, great to see them, you know, put up 45 points. But this defense is probably one of the worst in the league. And uh, they also gave up almost 40 points themselves. So, um, what, 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 what's your sort of take on, on state of Dallas? Obviously their offense and Dak is, they're clicking on all cylinders, I think, but you know, the defense definitely has to be cause for concern. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Dak Prescott has turned into the guy that you would love to have him on your fantasy team, but I don't think you want him as the quarterback of your team only because from every time I, I kind of stick, check the uh, stat line and check, you know, when Dallas scores, I mean, they can put up, the you know they can they put up 24 in the fourth quarter of this game but when it's a close game or or when they're uh trailing you know early on it just seems like they they can't figure it out it's almost like watching the eagles of last year where uh not not to the level of explosiveness that that dallas has because dallas can definitely uh turn it on and and turn it on heavy when the when they can but um they they constantly just kind of stay in games and then they'll fall behind and then they'll they'll they rallied against Atlanta. Um, obviously, Atlanta is that team that's just going to choke every chance they're they're given. But um, you know, I, I just look at Dallas as that team that uh, they don't really come out firing all, on all cylinders very often anymore. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a like a different playbook. Uh, you know, confusion, uh, not cohesiveness between teammates and things like that. But when you have all the weapons that, that Dak has, and you got you got Ezekiel Elliott, I just I feel like you got to come out, start of the game, and just kind of pound the ball and, and find your receivers and get in sync. And, and they're not they haven't really done that too much. And then I think uh, from the Browns' perspective, real quick, I mean that was a game they they pretty much had to win, especially with Baltimore being in their division and and Pittsburgh looking pretty sharp so far. So um, I was definitely a fan of, of the result. You know, I'm always going to pull for the team that's playing the Cowboys. But, um, yeah, I, I just think Dallas has a ton of issues and, and issues that I didn't think they would have coming into this season. I thought they'd be an improved squad with McCarthy at the helm. But uh, their defense is, is absolutely atrocious. I mean, it's just like a, if you're the Cleveland Browns, it was almost like a video game out there running trick plays. Uh, you know, you had Jarvis throwing a bomb. Uh, it was just they had their will pretty much all day and put up almost 50 points against that defense. Yes, it was. If Yeah, I agree with you. It was, it was for sure an impressive win um, from the Browns. But also, too, I think they're absolutely like a fraudulent team. They're 3-1, and one, but like who, who have they really beaten that's like of note? You know, I, and, and they played the Colts this week, and the Colts like are sneaky, like a pretty good freaking team. They just, you know, toy boxed the, the Bears this past week with Nick Foles starting for the first time this season. I think uh, – this will be a this will be a show me game for the Browns. I, I I am predicting them to get absolutely wiped by the Colts. Ooh. The Colts have the number one defense in the league and and have a decent offense with Jonathan Taylor, their rookie running back, Phil Rivers, obviously there as well. T. Y. Hilton, Eric, uh, 
and, and some of the and Moali Cox is is their tight end that's been coming on the scene as well. I think they absolutely get smoked this weekend, and it's it's sort of the classic. Okay, Browns fans riding high after sort of a a, a win that's kind of deceiving, and and you know they're probably going to go into this game all cocky. Baker's going to go in cocky. Odell's going to go in cocky, and they're probably going to get their shit pumped. So. <laughs> if a game is in Cleveland, I, I might give them a better chance of winning just because, you know, the weather might not be as great. But if this game is in Indianapolis in the Dome, I expect Indianapolis to win by, like, three touchdowns. Yeah, um, that that's that's definitely an interesting matchup, I think. Um, once again, I mean, uh, as far as – I'm drawing a blank on who the Colts coach, the former Eagles uh, – yeah, Frank Reich, I think, you know, you're, you're seeing an improvement out of Phillip Rivers this season in comparison to last season, and I think a lot has to do with, with Frank Reich's play calling. I mean, I just think that guy is – he's one of the most uh, underrated offensive minds, I think, in the game, just because I, I saw what he could do with uh, with Philly. And now, you know, they've uh, – you know, they, they don't look too terrible this so far this season at 3-1. and one. So, I mean, I think on paper um, – you know, Cleveland definitely has the weapons to keep up with, with the Colts. It's not like the Colts are scoring a ton of points. Um, you know, they're doing what they can to, to win. But I, I think, to me, this is a close game. I mean, it's it's in Cleveland. Uh, if I'm making the pick, uh, I'd probably say – I'd say the Colts might squeeze this one out by, by a field goal or a touchdown. I don't think they win wow. by, more than, by more than a touchdown, Look, I think. The Colts, are, the Colts are really good, dude. Uh I, I'm with you. I'm, it, it's interesting. Uh, I'm not by no means am I am I arguing that point with you, but I just think the Browns coming off a win. I think Baker plays a lot better coming off a win than he does. He's one of those guys. If he has his back against the wall, he's pretty much fucked. So I, I, uh, I will, I, you're making valid points, and a logical person would agree with you. But I've been traumatized by so many <laughs> like good Jets games. Have been so hopeful going into weeks where my team's coming off a hot win against like a semi-good team going up against a good team. And I had all the confidence in the world again, you know, for my team and they end up shitting the bed. I think the Browns and Jets are so similar in the fact that they have not proven that they can win and, and be a team that can, you know, can have sustained success in this league. I think this is the ultimate trap game for the Browns and they're going to absolutely get pummeled because they're going to be so cocky and, I only say that because I, I've literally seen it every single year, you know, obviously besides this year, but every single year the Jets where they, you know, come in three and two and, and then, you know, believe it or not, they're like three and seven, three and eight, like five weeks later, and you're like, what just hit me? Uh, so I think the Browns and the Jets are so similar where they don't really know how to win as franchises yet. Uh, and this is just going to be the ultimate shit pumping, bring them down to earth game. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to, I'm going to take it on the chin. I'm going to eat it. Uh, and I'm going to be the first one in line to congratulate them on a good win. But I just think they absolutely could destroy this game. If you're wrong, you're going to sound a lot like Wentz coming off a loss when he says, I have to look myself in the mirror and uh, I've got to be better. I've got to, you know, turn things around. So it just, I don't know, when you were saying that, it definitely reminded me of a, of a post-game Eagles loss. Um, just, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I just look at it like I think Baker has a lot to prove. Um, you know, I think this season is definitely one of those years where you, if he, if they finish outside the playoff bubble, which, you know, it's going to be extremely, extremely tough with, especially if Pittsburgh stays as consistently as they are. And then obviously Baltimore just, you know, killing shit like, like they did last year. Um, you know, I, I just think Baker has too much to prove to where I don't think he's going to come out and shit the bed. Now, does their defense keep him in the game? I'm not sure because, like you alluded to, I mean, they gave up 38 to Dallas and 24 in one quarter. So, um, you know, if if the Indianapolis offense gets rolling, if, if Phillip Rivers starts putting up uh, big numbers, it uh, might, might be tough for the Browns to keep up. But I, I just look at this as a, a pretty good matchup overall. And I, and I just look at, like, the Browns as uh, they almost feel like they need to win this game. That's why I say this is going to be a close yeah. one. Um, if this was – if the Browns were, let's say, like, one and three, I think – they absolutely get pummeled. I think. Uh, Who have they? I got. I got to pull up there. Who have they beaten this year? Uh, I mean, not much. I mean, they, they beat. They beat the Bengals. Yeah, in a, in a good game, and and I think the Bengals are not like a great team by any means, but they the Bengals have been in every game that they played for the most part. So, 
for what it is. I yeah, mean, they're I scrappy. The, I, I like the Bengals a lot. Uh, they pummeled the Vikings. Or I'm sorry, they didn't play the, the Colts. Pummeled the Vikings, but uh, <laughs> I'm all. I got you, I got you right so here. They beat they beat the Browns 35-30, Washington 34-20, and they beat the Cowboys 49-38. If, uh, I mean, looking at the looking at the Washington Cleveland game, that that was pretty much very similar to the Baltimore uh, Washington game in the score. Uh, I think you know Baltimore won 37 to 17 or 34 17 something like that and Cleveland won 34 to 20 I don't know the more I the more I keep up with football every single year I I think I do kind of look at who have you played and and what was the score but then every team matches up to every team differently so yeah maybe maybe the Browns can match up offensively pretty well to the Colts defense but maybe the the Browns defense gets the shit kicked out of them uh, against Phillip Rivers so you know it's one of those things you it's hard to make a, a clear pick. I mean, I think going them playing at home, whether there be fans or not, I think that that does help them. You know, it's a it's a comfort level thing. Um, but yeah, I just I just have a feeling this is going to be a, a close game, and, and maybe the Colts come out with the win. But it, it's one of those games where I don't think the Browns get obliterated just because they are in Cleveland. They are uh, basically. They, I mean, Baker knows they have to win this game basically to keep up at this right. point in, in that division. So. Um, big year for Baker. Big year to to prove some some doubters wrong. I think he's he's fueled by that. I don't know if that always helps him. I think he puts enormous amount of pressure on himself, and and I respect that a lot about him. But um, you know, at the end of the day, it is the Browns. They don't have the best track record of winning. So um, we'll see. I, I just think I am interested to see how they uh, they match up. Yeah. No. I. I, I hey. Uh, no one would 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 like to see. The, the Browns succeed more than me. No, I'm just kidding. I fucking hate Baker Mayfield. But uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I just think they play, They beat the Cowboys. They beat the Bengals. They beat Washington. Three shitty teams. Um, you know, call them scrappy. Call them whatever you want. At the end of the day, they're three shitty teams. I just think the Colts are very good. Um, and then, you know, coming off that week one loss, obviously the Jaguars, they've gotten better every single game. The Bears are, are a legit team. I You know, I, I would probably say the Bears – are an inferior team when you look at them versus the Browns. So if we're going from matchup to matchup, yes, I'd probably say the Browns have a better chance of beating them than the Bears did. Um, but nonetheless, I, you know, this is kind of turned into sort of a, a Browns, I guess, sort of state of the union. Um, because, you know, they are polarizing and it's kind of funny to poke in front of them from time to time. But I do think the Colts roll with, without an issue. But uh, what other to- what other topics can we can we get into from uh, from the NFL? We have some Texan stuff. I want to talk about Brady and the Bucks as well. Let's uh, let's go wherever your heart desires. Yeah, I kind of want to just because it's been the most you know the game of, of recent memory. I, I'm not really going to touch on the Packers Falcons. That went exactly kind of how I thought it would. Uh, but I, I think the uh, the New England game was definitely a lot more interesting than than I think a lot of people thought it would be so I'll just touch on that briefly um you know when Daniel and I get rolling it, it's hard to stop us it's like a, a two-headed monster but yeah uh especially when it comes to the NFL I mean it's just it's like we're an encyclopedia I would say but it is no one <laughs> but uh yeah I mean that that game was, was pretty close you know till about the fourth I mean uh six to three at halftime you know Kansas City was, was winning but um, you know, you had Brian Hoyer, an absolute dumpster fire of a quarterback. I mean, I, I just don't think how could could he be worse? I don't I don't know if that's possible. Uh, I'll say that. But uh, you know, you had Brian Hoyer taking the start. Uh, obviously, Cam Newton down with the uh, COVID nineteen. Unfortunately, I think that would have been a hell of a good game with with Cam Newton in the under this under the center there. So I don't know. I mean. For what it's worth, I think Kansas City has struggled a little bit on offense at times. I think, you know, Daniel and I were talking about this off air where uh, I remember the the Chargers game specifically, you know, Mahomes uh, didn't do too, too much. Uh, I mean, he he did enough to win, but he hasn't been as explosive. But at the same time, you got to credit Bill Belichick, uh, you know, scheming up a a great defensive game. Um, Just if not the best defensive mind ever, um, definitely – Top two, top three, easy. Um, you know, take that to the bank every week. So um, it's a combination of both, but I, I do I, – I'll, I'll tip my cap to Belichick. I think Belichick, you know, did what he had to do to basically keep them in the game. 
you saw a little bit of Stidham. You saw a uh, pretty underwhelming performance by him. But at the same time, when you have, uh, you know, I'll be the first one to rip Julian Edelman. That was just an, a horrible play. You can't make that play where uh, they throw you the ball and it's like you, you put your hands up like they're uh, cement blocks, I want to say, uh, and just let the ball tip off of those and, and go for a pick six. So, uh, you know, final goes 26-10. Uh, Patriots fall to two and two, and then the undefeated Chiefs are are, are their four and zero. So, uh, for what it's worth, I think they they put at least a, a stranglehold on Mahomes for most of the game, but obviously couldn't couldn't come out with the win with you know hardly any quarterback play at all in that game. Yeah, I think it, I, like I, like you mentioned at the beginning of of that spiel, I think if if Cam Newton had played, I think this would have been a very good game. I I, I sort of follow this one away. Maybe if New England can. Uh, sort of keep pace with the Bills and squeak into the last wild card spot. Maybe uh, the, the Chiefs sort of see them um, down the road in, in the playoffs. Maybe it's a second round or, or what have you. But, uh, you know, I think I think just the way that Bill Belichick is able to scheme up a defense for basically anyone in this league still to this day just boggles my mind. It pisses me off as a Jets fan. But as a football fan, it just – you have to respect it, uh, you know, you, you look at everyone sort of zigging, zigging, he zags, you know, you look at everyone trying to, t- trying to blitz the lights out of Patrick Mahomes, get him on the move, but that just, you know, that's where he's, he's in his uh, home on the move. He, he loves to be on the move and throw on the run. And I, I think Belichick did a good job of sort of keeping the D linemen sort of contained uh, towards Mahomes, kept him sort of inside the pocket, kept him behind the line of scrimmage and, and basically forced him out of his comfort zone a little bit. He obviously did adjust there in the second half as uh Andy Reid and Mahomes typically do. Um, so obviously you, you can't really keep pace with a guy like that if you're if you're not putting up points. And you know, I think the last guy I expect to put up points in the NFL is, is Brian Hoyer. So um, you know, if Cam Newton misses a second straight game, I believe they play the Broncos on Sunday. If he misses that game, I would expect uh, Jared Stidham to get the start, who really didn't play that bad. You mentioned uh, the pick six he threw for sure was not his fault. Um, Edelman, I think, uh, had a brain fart there. Just just an off night for him in, in general, uh, as Aaron mentioned. So uh, I, I think it's an impressive sort of outing for the Patriots. Obviously, you know, losing, you know, by, by that much, obviously the, the, the box score might not indicate that. But if you actually sat down and watched that game from start to finish, I do think they played pretty well and um, probably up, up to their ability. It's just the Chiefs at the end of the day are an overpowering team and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're the uh, defending Super Bowl champs. They're the Super Bowl favorite for a reason. Um, and, and a Patriots team without Cam Newton um, really doesn't, uh, really doesn't get you excited. It, it kind of begs the question. Um, and, and I, I kind of have to, to shit on the media here for saying that Jared Sidham was going to come in there from the beginning and actually be a good quarterback. And, um, I don't know after watching that game how you can tell me that both of those guys are even remotely close to the to the level that Cam Newton's at right now. No, I, I, it shocked me at the beginning of the year when uh, the, the Patriots picked up Cam Newton. I thought, um, you know, I was just kind of under the impression whether whether that be a stupid impression, but uh, you know, I I remember the days where Matt Castle came in for Tom Brady, and I think they went uh, like eleven and five to finish that season. So. Um, I don't know. I just had more confidence in the fact that, you know, Bill Belichick is there. I, I don't think um, – I, I thought Stidham would do enough under Bill Belichick to, to win games, where last night uh, he just didn't really show, you know, that much greatness, that much poise. Um, you know, he hasn't had much playing time. I'll give him that. He's one of those guys I'm not I, – I wouldn't give up on at this point. You know, I, I mean, he's uh, just doesn't, doesn't have much game time experience. So, who knows? Um, who knows what, what the future is going to hold for him, but um, obviously just wasn't enough on offense. I don't know if you're the Patriots, maybe uh, either if you don't re-sign Cam Newton, maybe you go out and draft somebody at this point because, uh, you know, both those guys just didn't show much overall in, in that game and, and really give you any reason to uh, believe things are going to change, you know, overnight, I'll say, or, or this coming up, the, you know, the next season coming up. Yeah, no, it's uh, kind of kind of crazy how you know a bunch of teams who who needed quarterbacks uh, sort of passed on Cam Newton services, um, and and Bill Belichick obviously everything he touches turns to gold. So um, yeah, I, I think I think just getting here to to the Texans and, and this will sort of cap off our NFL discussion of, of the podcast, and we'll get to baseball and 
and basketball, obviously, with the finals going on here in a second. But uh, what, what do you make of, of the Texans early in the season here? 0-4, not really showing much fight, much grit. Um, they, they decided to move on from their GM, their head coach, and their offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien. Um, I think he's had his moments. I think, you know, he was there for, you know, probably seven or eight years. So, obviously, he was respected as a good coach in there. I just think it's ultimately a case of somebody probably having too much control, wearing too many hats uh, within an organization. I think he is a great in-game coach and has showed that time and time again. If you look at the quarterbacks that um, he has had before Deshaun Watson, it's absolutely atrocious. And he was able to take um, some of those sections teams to the playoffs, which I, I think he's probably one of the best game day coaches, in-game coaches in the NFL. It's just when you give him that title of GM and, and like I said, give him probably a little bit too much responsibility. It's when things started to go haywire. Uh, so I, I think he'll be back next year with, with the job in the NFL. And, and, and that's a no brainer. You know, will he get, you know, GM responsibilities again? Probably not. I don't think he should. Uh, I would just like to say that as, as much flack as he's getting right now, I do think he's one of, the best in-game coaches in the in the league. I think uh, his teams are, have always been prepared. It's just this year, you know, obviously a tough trade with uh, with DeAndre Hopkins leaving the team. You know, getting a guy like David Johnson, all that salary, getting a guy like Brandon Cooks. Those two guys really didn't upgrade the offense that much. You know, trading two first-round picks for Laramie Tunsil. In hindsight, obviously a, a pretty terrible move. So, um, what do what do you make of the of the Texans cutting bait so early on in this season? Yeah, that, that one shocked me. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you given a given a 0-4 record, given that they, uh, they've just been kind of, you know, piss poor so far this season, you know, I guess I shouldn't have been shocked. But I just thought with them given, the, given all the reins to Bill O'Brien that, you know, they, this was a guy they believed in uh, through thick and thin. I thought maybe, you know, uh, obviously they, they probably weren't going to do much this season regardless uh, just because of the horrible start. but. Um, definitely, definitely shocked. I mean, I think ultimately you can't really, I mean, are you going to go to the guy and say, you know, you're no longer the GM, but I still want you to coach the team. That, that's hard to do, I guess. Um, I don't know. I think at times Bill O'Brien has shown greatness at times. I think he, he's, you know, been average at best. I, I look at Bill O'Brien kind of in a similar light, in a similar light to uh, a Mike McCarthy, just hasn't really done a lot, I would say. Uh, in the in the aspect of you know the trades and and uh, as well as uh, just the general general manager responsibilities, I think you know if you give him a letter grade, you're probably giving him like a D or an F. I mean, he's just he he got rid of Clowney uh, for not much, you know, in return and a third round pick. Uh, get rid of obviously uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Right. Uh, that that was uh, really a killer on that trade. Uh, I think basically uh, Bill O'Brien's the type of guy that uh, it, it's either his way or the highway. Uh, I think he traded most of those guys due to the fact that he didn't personally get along with them. That's at least what's being said in the in the media. Um, so take that for what it is. But uh, I just think Bill O'Brien's one of those guys that if he doesn't like you, he's going to get you out of there. Uh, whether that be he'll he'll go to the GM and, and try and force you out of there, or if he has a general manager responsibility, he'll he'll make sure that happens regardless. So, um, kind of underwhelming overall, I would say, just because the Texans before Bill O'Brien were about the same type of team. You know, they they'd win the division here and there, they'd make it a playoff appearance, but then ultimately not never get over the top. Reminds me of the the Eagles in the in the mid 2000s. Uh, they were never a terrible team, uh, but at the same time, they they never really got where they wanted to be. So, um, not not a terrible firing. I think you know you got to move in the right direction. But uh, four weeks in, it's definitely shocking. I don't know what they're gonna do the rest of the season. But um, you know, I, I agree with the with the firing of Bill O'Brien. I think they got to go a different direction. Uh, those trades absolutely killed them. It, it kind of reminds me of when Chip Kelly started trading away all the all the talent that was around them in, in Philadelphia. Good old Chip Kelly, architect of the Super Bowl winning uh, championship, <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I'm <laughs> yeah, I think uh, – no, that's well said. I'm not going to add anything to that. I think you broke that down phenomenally. Um, yeah, it's, it's it, like you said, it is shocking that it happened four games into, into the season. Uh, Romeo Cornell, 73-year-old uh, Romeo Cornell, is taking over as interim head coach 
Um, so they get they get a jump start on their coaching search, and uh, maybe they can pry away a good college coach, or you know, I'd have to think they're going to take uh, perhaps a good NFL offensive coordinator here um, at the end of the season. But wild wild away, and, and it's it's sort of a situation I'm keeping my eye on as well, since the Jets are are going to be looking for a new coach too. So um, hopefully they don't they don't steal one from us, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, Romeo Cornell, that guy has been through thick and thin uh, in the NFL, so more power to him. Hopefully he doesn't have a heart attack because that team might go 0-5. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, yeah, 73-years-old, God bless you. That's all I'll say. <laughs> all right, uh, sw- switching gears now uh, to the NBA. Um, Lakers Heat are playing currently as we record on Tuesday night. Uh Jimmy Butler in the Heat. Uh, Jimmy Butler with a triple-double coming back and taking game three um, from the Lakers, which is pretty surprising, I think, after game two. Um, games one and two, I should say. After two dominating wins from the Lakers, I think a lot of folks expected this to be a sweep. Um, and, and it is close right now. I think the Lakers are up 22-20 at the end of the first quarter. So the Heat have uh, basically – um, put that talk to bed and, and, and are, are showing up and showing out despite all the injuries that, you know, uh, Goran Dragic is, is out for the series. Bam at a Bayou, we pronounce that last name. He's back for game four, um, but was out for two and three. Um, so they were able to split those games while he was out, which is pretty impressive. Uh, do you see the heat taking another game or do you think it's going to be all Lakers from here on out? I think, uh, I just – I'm rolling with the hot hand. I mean, you know, granted it's one game, but I think the Heat win tonight. I think they make it a series. Uh, I think they go – you know, I think it goes in 2-2. But um, I, I just think if Jimmy Butler puts up 40, I think the Heat win. If he puts up 30, 32, they probably lose. So, um, you know, I, I'm just going to go out on a limb. Uh, you know, my heart's telling me the Lakers are going to win the series, but we've seen crazier things. Uh, it's just really, it's going to ride on, on Jimmy Butler. It's going to ride on Tyler Hero to a certain extent. Um, and Kelly Olynyk. those are really the, the only, you know, players that scored even remotely effective points uh, the last game. So, uh, Andre Iguodala, where you at, man? I don't know. Where you at? Uh, I, I know you're old, but, like, you know, if, if you're going to leave the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, you know, in a way, in a fashion where – he just basically said, I don't give two shits about anybody on that team. I want to go to a good team. You got to at least show up a little bit in the in the, in the the NBA finals, I would think. You have to. You got to show up with the bright lights are on. Um, yeah, it's also interesting to know, just to talk a little bit of, of, of the ratings, um, sort of not, not an all-time low for the ratings, but low as they have been in, in the last decade or so. Um, do, do you find that interesting or, or do you think it's just more of a product of college football being back, baseball playoffs happening, um, NFL happening, uh, NHL was happening obviously for a little bit too uh, before they ended. So do you think it's, it's more of a product of just everything going on or, or it's just the bubble atmosphere and, and the crowdless games aren't really exciting for, for the casual basketball fans? Yeah, I think uh, me personally, you know, I, I tried to check into to some games and, you know, I try and keep it brutally honest. You know, every time I come on, the, every time Dan passes me the mic, I'm going to try and be as brutally honest as I can. Um, I try to I tried to tune into some NBA games. I'll, I'll allude back to the fact that it just still looks like the uh, summer league to me too much. It looks like, you know, uh, there, there's a, a local uh, sporting complex around here in Lancaster County, a pretty big establishment, uh, Spooky Nook. It looks like they're almost playing in Spooky Nook. I mean, it's like <laughs> – it just looks like garbage to me, you know, I'm not going to say uh, the product is garbage because it's still, you know, the NBA, the, the, the star players are still out there. It's, you know, the LeBrons, AD, uh, Jimmy Butler, those guys are still going at it, but it, it yeah. just, with, with no fans, with a, with a gym that looks like it could be a, a high school gym. It, I don't know, man. It, it just really takes it out of it for me. Um, I don't know. I, I think the matchup is interesting, but at the same time, it's, Without the Heat having a tremendous amount of firepower, it's uh, kind of boring from that perspective. I mean, if it was the days of, like, Golden State and, and Cleveland, I think you'd be having a different conversation. I think those, those games were extremely fun to watch. But um, I don't know. Just uh, not from an appeal standpoint, I don't have a, a ton uh, surrounding this series. I mean, I, I want the Heat to win, but at the same time, it's just – it's it's overall the, the bubble experience just kind of – 
ruins it a little bit for me personally. No, I, I agree with you, and, and you, you've made the, the summer league comparison here on this podcast several times. I think that's probably the most accurate comparison relation, what have you, that, I, that I've heard um, when, it, when it comes to comparing this to, to something. I, it, it, I kind of felt the same way with the NHL. Uh, the, the fans, I, I think, are what makes sports sports, um, which is, is kind of an obvious take, but it, it's something that you didn't realize, you know, sort of made the game atmosphere what it was until it was gone. Um, and I think, you know, in 2021, all these sports, you know, NHL, NBA, all these sports that come back early in the year are going to look to, to not come back until they can get fans inside the building for, for a plethora of reasons. But, but I think game atmosphere is probably up there with some of the, the top reasons. So, um, yeah, I think the Lakers will probably handily win, um, and it will be anticlimactic. Um, but, but yeah, you mentioned the competition as well with the Heat. I think if it was maybe the Bucks, or, you know, I think if it was maybe, you know, Heat, uh, Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, that probably would have gotten some, some decent ratings. I, I think it also, you know, is, is the teams, or are the teams, I should say, that uh, are competing right now. It's just sort of lopsided, to say the least. Yeah, I mean – I think, uh, obviously, the, the Heat, Jimmy Butler kind of coming into his zone as far as uh, probably the best individual uh, stat lines he's put he's put forth this postseason that, you know, ever, really, from that perspective. Always, always been one of those guys that can play defense at a high level, but uh, the fact that he put up 40 a couple of nights ago, uh, or I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, a couple of nights ago at this point. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, it's still the finals. It just doesn't to have that finals feel, um, you know, that's one of those things where, I, you know, I don't really – I can't really sit there and watch a regular season game too often in the NBA. But uh, when it comes to the finals, I always look forward to it. And, and this season is just – it doesn't it doesn't have, like, even half the appeal that, that it normally has. So, I think, you know, you asked the question from, the, from a ratings perspective, is it the bubble? Is it all the sports going on at one time, taking a, a piece out of that pie? I think, I think it's a combination, I think. Um, you know, with the end, with the MLB playoffs on, with obviously the, the NFL trying to be on Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, um, you know, and things of that nature that, you know, you're going to take a, a good bit of viewership away. So I think it just has a lot to do with that. And uh, I think, you know, without fans, I think the NBA is far less exciting. I Don't right. get me wrong, the, the NFL is as well, but it like especially resonates in the NBA because, I remember the days of like Golden State, that crowd would like, you know, the camera would almost shake. So it's just, uh, it's a whole different feel. It's just, you know, yes, the NBA is back, but it's not what it, what it feels like uh, to be in a regular, you know, regular season or what have you with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. I, I, you know, as always, I, I could not agree more. Um, Aaron is always spot on, brutally honest. And, <laughs> we love them here at Brutally Honest Sports. So, capping off the podcast here, we'll switch gears, you know, again to, to baseball. Um, we're, we're firmly in the ALDS, started on Monday um, and Tuesday, obviously, games going on this week. Interesting, uh, a lot of the series are playing five straight games in five consecutive days, which is definitely going to take a toll as sort of uh, all these series progress. But I'm going to run through the matchups here, and Aaron, why don't you give me a few notes, give me – uh, some key matchups to watch, um, maybe some some interesting things to note as well, and then we'll talk about um, some of the different series. But we got Yankees-Tampa, um, and then we have Houston-Oakland. Um, capping off the AL, we have Marlins-Braves and Padres-Dodgers. Um, capping off the NL. So um, which one of those series, maybe give me one from the AL, one from the NL, which is, which is catching your eye. Yeah, I think uh... – from from the AL perspective, I think both both matchups are, are extremely interesting. Um, I, I you know ultimately I, I got to say the Yankees in the race just because you got the firepower of the Yankees, you got the you know you got the really good arms uh, for the Yankees, but then you got Tampa who's you know red hot you know exiting the regular season. So uh, I just think that the battle of the AL East really uh, there is extremely interesting. Um, can can the Rays uh, stay close to the Yankees. I think they can. Uh, what I what I respect greatly about the Tampa Bay Rays is they're one of those organizations that never has a huge uh, you know pocketbook, but they they find a way to win uh, and at least compete in in that tough tough division. Um, you know they had a couple down years, but 
now they're, they're back to the winning ways and at least being in the postseason. So I wish the, the Baltimore Royals would at least take just one page out of their, their book um, and, and learn how to run an organization the right way. But, um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, despite me not liking the Yankees very much, I mean, that, that lineup is extremely, extremely interesting to watch. Uh, you got Aaron Judge, you know, you got um, – uh, who else you got? You got Stan. I, I can't even remember all their names because it's just like everybody hits on that team. It doesn't matter who, who, you know, you insert there, uh, they're going to hit the ball. So um, I think that that game, that series might go back and forth. Um, I picked the Rays just because I, I got a pick against uh, Dan's New York Yankees. Uh, but I think that that series is going to be extremely, you know, competitive only if the Rays can score enough to runs to, uh, to limit the, the Yankees in, in that aspect. And then just jumping over the, the NL real quick, um, it's got to be Dodgers-Padres to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, Padres are never really in the uh, the postseason, uh, you know, ever. So for that for that <laughs> respect, you know, I'm kind of – I'm kind of pulling for them just, just because why not. And then the, the Dodgers to me are, are kind of – they're turning into, you know, even, even more so worse than the Yankees in the fact that they're just kind of buying everybody and – and stacking the whole lineup. So, um, I don't know. I mean, Manny Machado playing his former team, uh, if you remember him striking out uh, to end uh, the World Series. Um, so, I don't know. He, he's got – I think if I'm Manny Machado, I, you got to come out and swing the bat well and, you know, kind of help that lineup. Uh, but Tatis Jr. is absolutely a, a beast as well. So, I'm looking – you know, I'm just pulling for the Padres just for, for pure fun. And, uh, you know, really to, to disappoint the uh, Dodgers fans once again, as, you know, if they would come up short, that's just devastating. No, I think that was a fantastic breakdown. Obviously, my Yankees, I'm, I'm pulling for them. They took game one uh, last night, and they're playing right now. They're down one uh, to the Rays right now, but Stan already has two home runs, and he's a fucking tank. So uh, <laughs> I'm looking for them to do some damage. Uh, if they get past the Rays tonight, um, and, and then we get deeper into their rotation. I like our chances. Um, Houston, um, sort of surprising a lot of people uh, into a lot of people's dismay up 2-0 in that series. Um, me, I'm, I'm kind of pulling for Oakland, uh, you know, not to mention the Astros cheating scandal, but I'm just a big fan of the A's since that movie Moneyball came out. I, I like what they do um, just from a sort of a, a budget perspective. Obviously, they don't have as much money to play with if, as the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Red Sox, but they basically – uh, max, maximize their, their value and, and, and they're very efficient in the way they go about things and uh, are definitely a model um, that other small market teams can follow. So, and, and I mean, not to mention the fact that I hit the Astros, so hopefully they can come back and, and win that series, although they are one game away from getting swept. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with, with the Padres and Astros, Tatis, Machado, um, that entire team is just so fun to watch. And, and the Dodgers are a wagon. So I think it'll be a hard-fought series for, for them as well. And uh, you know, hopefully the Padres can pull it out. You know, you love a good underdog um, to a certain extent. So um, I think I think playoffs for baseball are, are probably more exciting this year than, than in a lot of years that I can that I can remember. A lot of good, young, exciting teams. So I'm sort of coming up, coming up the ranks here and uh, making for an exciting playoffs, but also an exciting future for baseball as well. Yeah, I think uh, the playoff extension is definitely an interesting idea. I don't know going forward if they're going to continue that. Um, from what I hear, it's it's all uh, the designated hitter is going to be at least implemented in both leagues, which I, I've been calling for that since, you know, I've watched my first baseball game. I'll say that. So, uh, I, I just since think, you saw Ryan, How Ryan Howard swing the bat, he's been calling for a DH. Dude, I, he, you know, for what it's worth, I mean, I, I don't think – you know, having uh, Clayton Kershaw go up and try and, you know, whiff three times at, at three fastballs. I just don't think that's really exciting to watch. But, um, you know, I think what is interesting is some of these teams that are in, I mean, the Miami Marlins, I don't I don't know if they necessarily deserve to be in the playoffs. I mean, don't get me wrong, they made it. But in any other, you know, season, they're not going to be there. So, um, I guess Derek Jeter would look like an absolute genius if somehow they would – you know, pull a Nationals and make it the whole way and, and win the World Series. Not that I think they have a chance in hell, but huh. I think uh, I think that would be, like, absolutely insane if they went. And if it was, like, the Padres and the and the Marlins and, and the NLDS or something like that. But other than that, I mean, I, you know, without, without uh, 
you know, many teams that I, I really like. I, I can't say the same for me, but uh, as far as the, the uh, being so super interested in, in the world in the, uh, the playoffs, but um, I think the expansion does at least open it up a little bit and, uh, you know, maybe we'll see an upset here or there. Absolutely. Um, definitely something to uh, keep an eye out for. We appreciate it as always listeners um, sticking with us and, uh, Luckily, we have a lot of sports to talk about right now, so Aaron and I are very fortunate for that, um, to say the least. But, uh, Aaron, why don't, you, why don't you take us home? Yeah, so uh, going forward, I mean, we'll see how uh, the, the uh, NBA finals shake out here. Big game tonight, I think. You know, if, if the Miami Heat can tie the series, then it'll, uh, it might be a hell of a series. If they go down 3-1, that, that might just uh, just do it, so... That, that's really the storyline tonight. Uh, and then obviously, you know, you got the COVID, you know, problem, you know, kind of erupting in the NFL a little bit, but uh, it seems like they're getting that under control. So just look forward to more and more uh, sports coming down the pipeline here. Take us home.